What's up and welcome to Sweathead with Mark Pollard. I have Taylor Marks here. Taylor has recently become a senior strategist at Six Speed. Congratulations on that, by the way, Taylor. We are going to talk about some stuff we did together. Taylor recently took one of our accelerators, and I don't think I've ever done an interview with someone who's taken one of our six-week programs, and that's what we're going to do. So, Taylor, thank you for agreeing to do this. Welcome to Sweathead. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell me about yourself. I'm joking, I'm joking. Taylor said, please don't ask me an (laughs) open-ended question like that at the start of the interview, and so I thought I would. People might, if they pay close attention, they might be able to hear a little dog. It could be a big dog, I don't know having a snore, right? Yeah, it is a little dog. Yeah, he's 10 pounds, but he might sound larger than that. And nearly 15. So happy birthday to your <laughs> your dog. What's your dog's name? Ziggy. There you go. There you go. Tell us about Ziggy. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yes, I want to talk about like through you talk about learning about strategy. And then we're going to go through some of your work, because I quite enjoyed your work. And then I also want to ask you about how it's affected the way that you've worked, right? So they're kind of the three chunks of, of this conversation. Why did you want to do the accelerator? Why did you want to do the program with us? I was drawn to it because we were kind of in a transition spot as an agency. We're rethinking how we did briefs and I'd purchased your book in the past and I was really familiar with the four points and I was like, I would love some more experience here. But it was also that I was a strategist of one and I was kind of in this weird spot where I was, you know, for the first time doing strategy by myself. And I was like, I need a cohort. I would love some mentorship. And so it really appealed to me that it was not only working with you, but with a ton of other strategists from around the world. And I think that that was really great to just hear from other people and feel less alone. Hmm. Yeah, it's cool. And, and also, I want to point out that you, you don't need to say nice things about our time together, right? Like, it's an awkward kind of conflict of interest situation where I am genuinely curious, but you don't have to be nice. I just want to say that. But I appreciate what you just said as well. Tell us a little bit about Six Speed as well, because you're one out of 55 people. So have had one strategist out of 55. And I know that you recently brought in somebody. Tell us about the kind of work that you do there, the, the agency that is. Yeah. So we're an experiential agency that mostly works with outdoor adventure brands. So we work with Polaris, BF Goodrich Tires, Michelin, Club Car, a lot of enthusiast brands. So it's a lot Mm -hmm. of, a lot of gas and oil and a lot of, you know, getting into like really deep micro communities and that makes strategy really fun. Yeah. The focus of your agency is really interesting. And I think in the US, because it's such a big market, there's potential to focus really specifically like that. It's it's really, really cool. Are there any nuances with doing strategy for that kind of client compared to other clients if you've had experience doing strategy for (laughs) non-exciting brands? (laughs) I think the passion is the biggest difference. I came from doing strategy more in the nonprofit world, and that had its own really unique challenges. But I think that What's interesting is that they're so passionate, the the audiences that we serve. And so they're also really skeptical of anything that feels off brand or like you're not an expert. And the pandemic right now has made for really interesting challenges because almost all of our clients don't have inventory to sell. And so they're trying to deal with supply chain issues. And it's like, how do you launch a campaign and gain a lot of awareness when you know that, you know, that purchase actually might not happen because we Mm. don't have inventory to sell? Yeah, that's hard. That's hard. 
you still need the brand to be present and in front of people but might not be able to sell and even if people have been sold to maybe there's going to be some kind of supply issue after the sale right it's it's been an unpredictable couple of years i lived it having set up my own little supply chain in 2020 to publish a a little thing (laughs) as well so yeah it's not easy what's changed since we worked together before we go into the work that you did the student work that is but what's changed since we worked together for you a couple of things i think the biggest one for me is being able to see and clearly articulate an insight there was a lot of times in the past where i was kind of like is this an observation or is this an insight and so now i feel like i can get there much more quickly and see like oh that's something really interesting and a new way of thinking as opposed to something that feels a little bit more table stakes. I think that the other pieces, I feel much more connected to strategy community overall that I was lacking before, which was like, when you have a challenge, it's like, is this a me problem? Like strategists are super like introspective and you spend way too much time thinking about yourself and your work. And so hearing from other people like, oh, no, this is what everyone in this role is experiencing has been awesome. Uh, Hard relate to that. Uh, Moving countries, I was like, hang on, I'm not working here. I can't get traction. Is this me or do I just suck? (laughs) (laughs) And it could very well be that I suck, but I think I'm I'm okay at what I do, at least at least mediocre. But yeah, you go through these moments where like, hang on, is this just me? What are other people thinking in this meeting? Why is this so hard? Didn't we agree that we were going to try to do this kind of work? And didn't we agree mm-hmm. that this is what an insight is and yet we can't get there? It's, and then we spiral, don't we? Don't we? Don't we? Absolutely. Take us through your assignment. So as part of the accelerator, people get to choose at least one of at least three possibilities. And you focused on a hypothetical brief for Party City, which for those of you who are not in the States or are not near a party city, it's kind of like a big warehouse type of store that sells, you guessed it, party goods. And I guess the task or the brief that we gave you or that I gave you was to work out how to sell Party City essentially during a pandemic. How did you approach the brief? The first thing that I thought was, what is a party without people? And I felt like that was kind of the challenge, you know, in selling party goods during a pandemic is that it's not that parties have gone away so much as people have gone away. So if you strip away all of that, what are you left with? And that's kind of what I used as a research tool when I started diving into the work. Even from a sentence structure, the way that you just described that dynamic, it wasn't so much X, it was Y. That kind of structure sets up tension. It sets up the possibility of a revelation of an insight. And it's it's funny because as soon as you start to understand some of the sentence structures that writers or people use, stand-up comics, et cetera, then your ear gets wired to hear them when you're interviewing people, or in this case, as I'm interviewing you, and then you can potentially get better at writing them. So just wanted to shout out in a slightly meta way that you just did the thing that we were talking about doing. So... Part of the assignment involved creating three versions of the four points, which is a little framework that I like to use. Take us through the one that you ended up writing a strategy story from. And then after we go through the four points, you're going to read us the strategy story. But let's do the four points first. Okay. So the problem that I got to was the world today is not built for kids' birthday parties. I started looking at Party City in depth and I'm kind of like, well, what part of their business probably took the biggest hit? 
Halloween's probably okay. People were still like trick-or-treating inside and things like that. But children's birthday parties in particular felt like the place to go. And so the central piece there is obviously that if you don't have anyone show up, what's the point of decorating for a birthday party? The insight that I landed on is that parties let kids build their own world. I went really deep online. You know, we didn't have a ton of time to do the actual research. And so I went to Reddit right away because Reddit is my favorite place for insights, especially when it's people just asking for advice and they're not like, they're not trying to show off in any way like other social media platforms. They're just being really honest and saying like, how can you help me? And so I ended up on these mom subreddits where moms were like, how do I have a party for my kid in the pandemic? How do I make them feel special? What do I do? I'm afraid if I do set up a party, no one's going to come and that's going to be worse than having no party at all. And so what I found a lot of people talking about were that birthdays are all about choice. And really what kids are looking for at that time is a way to gain a little bit of control. So they're like, let them decide where to go. Let them decide what to eat. Let them decide what to wear. Like, give them all of that choice. And that's what really led me to thinking that, you know, parties let kids build their own world. It's kind of like this chance that you get once a year to create your own world. And then when I was looking at the advantage, I started doing research into the origins of Party City. And Party City was founded by a man, Steve Mandel, I think his name is who grew up with his parents having their own store and he kind of was there and that's what inspired him eventually like I want to open up my own store and I I see this you know market opportunity for party goods because party goods I guess the market was really divided up by mom and pop shops there was no like one stop place where you could get all your goods in one place so the advantage party city was founded by a grown up kid who wanted to build his own world mm-hmm. And that all led to the strategy, show that Party City transforms kids into tiny architects of their own world. And I loved getting here because it put all of that control back to the audience and letting them really take hold of the parts of parties that mattered the most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's in four sentences. So you got problem, insight, advantage, and strategy problem the world today is not built for kids birthday parties we could probably dig into that a little bit well what's the issue with that or what's causing that why 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 but i still think it's a nice provocation i like to imagine a problem statement like that being the first slide of a presentation and so the question is does it feel true could you kind of argue for it i wouldn't say could you prove it could you argue for it and is it provocative would it snap my brain into the meeting if those words were on a slide and then insight parties let kids build their own world makes complete sense and there's a theme coming through world building right which is lovely and reddit's awesome i think i know there's a little bit of looking down upon the quote-unquote google planner the person who just uses the internet to find out stuff the thing is the internet has a lot of stuff like it's not a bad thing to do and, and reddit's quite good obviously reddit can be extreme but sometimes the extreme things are the most useful as well so totally valid piece of quick research good job Advantage Party City was founded by a grown-up kid who wanted to build his own world. Isn't that lovely when you have a hunch that you've got a little thing and then you find something that's true about the company or the history of the company and you can tie it together quickly like, oh, this is making sense. The puzzle's clicking together. And then strategies show that Party City transforms kids into tiny architects of their own worlds. So I don't know the last time you looked at this, but you wrote this a little bit of time ago, a few months ago. How do you feel 
looking at it right now? I still feel pretty good about it. There's like things here and there. I know we had talked about whether or not not having party in the strategy statement was like going to hold it back and potentially like lead creatives down a weird pathway that we wouldn't want them to go into. But overall, like I'm still pretty happy with it, which is saying something because, you know, we were just talking about how it's easy with strategy work to look back on past work and be like, there's so many things I would do differently, but not Hmm. with this one. And then... Even though there are only four sentences there, which is not a lot, you can always sort of look at the strategy statement and then go back to the original problem, which is not a lot of parties happening. So not a lot of party stuff being sold. And you're trying to solve that by saying, hey, you can buy these products to not just have a party, but to also allow kids their own playtime and to build worlds. And that might happen in a party, but it could also not happen in a party. So yeah, the strategy answers the business issue, right? In a very clear and obvious way. So props for that. Four points are usually a little bit rough, right? And then what I like to do is, and what everybody does as part of the accelerator is write a strategy story. That's not fancy language. It's not some fancy trademarked thing. It's just a thing that I like to do. And it's a name that I've got that I use so I know what I'm doing, strategy story. And it's essentially trying to take the four points and turn it into a stronger, more visceral and more visual argument that could then be chopped up for an upfront for a presentation and then simplified into a creative brief. And why that's important is because often we open slides or creative brief templates and we just start populating them with thoughts without necessarily having done the thinking, right? So I would love you to read out this strategy story. Okay. And I'll preface this a little bit by saying when I approached this, I started writing it as if I was 10 years old. And so the language is a little bit clunky intentionally. So just also on that, when you write these things, you can write in whatever voice you want. You can treat it as part of a creative practice. That is something you strategists can control. You can control for the most part, how you do your work for the most part. And you can definitely control whether you write this in the first person, in the third person, as a 65 year old, as a 10 year old, as a unicorn. And there's hopefully a sense of joy and self-development in doing that kind of stuff. All right, Taylor Marks, strategy story for Party City, go. All right. Masks, remote learning, social distancing, too much hand-washing, no hugging, no sharing toys, and no playing together. A germ you can't see has taken over the whole world like a giant monster crushing all of the things you like to do, except it's really small. This is not a world where you can have a party. That's what parents say. Maybe next year. But what if no one comes this year? Even though that's what they said last year, it's still not safe. Basically, you're not allowed to do anything that you want to do. But what if it's your birthday? The one day that you look forward to all year where you're supposed to make the rules for a change. Anything is supposed to happen on your birthday if you want it to. It's the only day where you can decide for sure to wear what you want, to eat whatever food you want, Do whatever games you want and make your house look however you want it to look. If you want everything to be tigers, it can be. If you want to be a pirate, you can be. If you want to be like an underwater scuba diver who finds new types of fish that taste like candy, that's allowed too. For kids, a birthday party is the one day a year when you can make your own world. Party City was founded by a grown-up who wanted to make his own world. Steve Mandel's parents had a store, and when he was a kid, he knew he wanted to have his own store a place where he could make his own rules and do things however he wanted any day of the year. Now, Party City's purpose is to make any moment extraordinary. 
And whenever you can change what happens and what things look like, it turns the regular world into a crazy, extraordinary world. That's why Party City is like a super powerful wizard who turns ordinary kids into tiny architects that can make any world they want. They help transform whatever you have in your head into reality, so everyone can see how things could be. They're so strong that they can help you do it any day of the year, even on days that aren't your birthday. Any day can be a day to make a new world. If you spend your days trying to get into people's heads, but are interested in strategy classes, books, and events that get into your head, visit sweathead.com. You can pick up the Kickstarter-funded book, Strategy Is Your Words, by me. Find out about our monthly membership, online classes, and the company training that we do. Yes, this was an ad, a gentle, gentle ad. Back to the interview. It's cool, right? Easy to understand. There's a nice cadence there. I can see that you're experimenting with writing techniques, using small moments, being descriptive. And the thing is that people listening to you reading this out, it would probably move a lot of people in a way that many strategy presentations do not, because many strategy presentations are trying to be informative and correct and academic and to sort of beat people into intellectual submission. Really different energy, right? What did you sort of discover about yourself in writing a strategy story like this, especially as far as the writing process goes? I think what I found is that it was both more challenging and more fun than I expected it to be. And so on the one hand, it was hard to give up that control, like you're saying of like, I want to sound smart. I want to make sure this is correct, you know? And mm -hmm. on the other hand, once I did let go, it was really fun to just like go wild. And I had just like watched Godzilla versus Hedera, the old Godzilla movie with my partner. And like, I was imagining that I was like, what if that kid was writing this? What if COVID is like Godzilla and it's destroying the world? And I got really weird with it. And I feel Love like it. that helped make the writing process a lot more fun. Yes. Yeah. And, and these little techniques, if you're feeling burnt out out there, by the way, these little techniques can give you a bit of a boost. You know, you can turn your work into play at least for 30 minutes or an hour. Taylor, what you read out there, it's four paragraphs, it's a page, it's probably 200-ish words. And it would be too long a presentation for each of those sentences to be its own slide. But asking yourself, could this sentence be a slide? What would be on it? Could it just be an image with no words and still make sense? That kind of questioning is good and useful because it can make you write better and more succinctly and or more visually as well. Do you use strategy stories in your work now? Funny that you ask, because I was actually just having a conversation with a creative colleague about how I wanted to, and most of the time it comes down to time. I don't think I allow myself enough time for the playfulness that comes out in a strategy story, and so I haven't been, um, but my desire going forward is that I would be, but it's, mm. it's, I don't know, it's time a lot of times. Do you recall how long it took you to write that particular strategy story? Maybe an hour or two. I don't know. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Now, the final thing I think that I'll get you to read out from your assignment is the next page of the PDF, which is a very simple creative brief where you're going to summarize in, what is this, six-ish sentences, what you've run through. Read it out just so we can give people a sense of how simple a creative brief could be. So it's just sentences broken out, audience, parents who want to throw parties for their kids, but don't know how to during a global pandemic. Problem, the world today is not built for parties. 
Insight, parties let kids build their own world. Advantage, Party City was founded by a grown-up kid who wanted to build his own world, so he did by opening his store. Strategy, show that Party City turns kids into tiny architects who can make their own world. And then a goal, increase sales of birthday party merchandise by 20%. Okay. It's straightforward, right? And the strategy sentence, it does reveal a new way of looking at Party City at the brand. It brings Party City together with this thought of world building, which is, I don't think, something that they've talked about or advertised before it might be. But there's an idea there. There are the mechanics of an idea, and that idea in the strategy is not trying to compete with an advertising or campaign idea that might come out of a creative department, but it's clear, right? And there probably would be a little bit of a discussion, which we hinted at earlier. Is this about selling party goods to people who want to have parties and build worlds in the party? Or is it about come to Party City anytime you basically want to build a little world at home, right? So there's probably a little bit of back and forth and maybe the brief would need to be tightened up a little bit just to make sure that the work coming back reflects exactly what you want. Clarify it for us. I think I know the answer, but what do you want the work to show? Is it about parties or is it about come and buy stuff here anytime you want to give your kid a way to play throughout the day? It's definitely the latter. Hmm. Yeah. And I kind of started to think through what this could look like and where you could go with it. And what I wanted to come out of it was a lot of action. Like is can Party City do more than even just sell parties, but can it be a place where you would gather and play Dungeons and Dragons? Could it be like other places where you could build worlds in other ways outside of even just like the literal selling goods to build a world? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I don't know if you're involved with communications planning, but what I love about comms planning, not necessarily the complexity, that's very overwhelming for my brain, but when we have a central idea in the comms plan as well, where the idea in the comms plan builds on or reflects the idea in the campaign or the idea in the strategy. So the idea in the strategy is about world building. So we might say, well, where can we turn up where kids are already building their worlds? I have a prolific Roblox person. So obviously that comes to mind as in, you know, how could Party City do something to do with Roblox or maybe Minecraft or the videos or streamers that do all that stuff as well? Is this similar to the genre of creative brief that you would give a team right now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. How have they responded to briefs like this? So far, it's been awesome. I think that it's given a little bit more creative constraint than I think we've typically had in the past. And so it was like kind of, I think, uncomfortable at first, but what has come out of it has been really awesome. And they've responded really well to say like, this is challenging and I'm excited about that challenge. Any pushback? I mean, there's always a little bit of pushback, you know, as a part of how we create briefs, we in leading that effort, but also getting buy-in along the way from the creative team and from the account team also. And so there's only pushback in clarification and making things sing for both of those parties, but it's mm-hmm. not pushback overall from the process. Mm-hmm. I think that the challenge that I usually have is in making sure that that strategy statement is both open enough that a lot of people could take it in different directions. And so I have really amazing creatives who are also really strategic and they're very sensitive to feeling like they're being put too much in a box. And so I think that's where like the most nuance comes in is like making sure that it's both 
very open, but still is going to give us a really interesting way in that's really unique that the client hadn't thought of before. Yeah. And one of the reasons I like strategy statements, I've not seen many people use them and I picked it up from an old boss, Scotty Davis, but I like show that Party City turns kids into tiny architects who can make their own world. It's long. There are a few sort of additional thoughts in there, but it's not trying to be a campaign idea. It's not trying to be a slogan. We could, on the creative brief, also add a single minor proposition or key message that would shrink the strategy statement and work together with the strategy statement. But I love a strategy statement. It's a sort of hopefully will clearly lay out the two ideas or the two topics coming together in a way that is not going to feel like it's competing with the creative team. And it offers a, a strong spine for the work, right? Mm-hmm. So I quite like that. Can you think of any other ways that the way you you have approached your strategy work has changed in the past two or three months, maybe influenced by the time we spent together, but just, you know, doesn't have to be. I think I've been taking more risks. I've been a lot more freed, I think, in sometimes when I think about strategy, especially like a creative brief, I get really like caught up in the logic flow of like A, then B, then C, then D. And I feel like I have instead been like, okay, let's worry about like the flow later. Like let's get to interesting ideas and like structure them afterwards. And so it's like starting with structure, going rogue and then bringing it back in as opposed to trying to fill out a framework. I like feel much more free to kind of be like, I'm going to follow this weird idea and see where it gets me. And let's worry about like the brief with a capital B afterwards. Let's like just get to the interesting ideas and kind of figure out exactly how they sing together after we get there. I love that. I love that. I love hearing that because, you know, I know we're talking about strategy and strategy frameworks and creative briefs, but also psychology, personal psychology and the psychology of a strategist who can hopefully feel that they have, you know, a freer way to move around the world. So I, I, I love hearing that. What's been the hardest thing to apply from the time we spent together? I think it's carving out enough time still. And that's kind of what I said about the strategy story is like, I think there's still so many things that I do other than writing briefs that I think there's not a quite enough time that I would like. And I put it on myself of like how I structure my day to feel like I'm like truly able to slice and dice things like as many ways as I would like to. Yeah, time is the most common issue that I'm hearing from everybody, everybody. How would you solve that? How could you solve that for yourself though? I've been doing a lot of research into time actually for a different brief that I wrote. And what was really interesting that I've learned is the psychology of time is that it doesn't matter how much time you actually have in a day. All that matters is what you think about it. And it's really a frame of mind. And so I catch myself, I mean, and I just did it. I said, like, I don't have enough time to do this, but really I do have enough time. It's that when you think about your time as being so valuable and kind of put a lot of pressure on it, that's what also makes Mm -hmm. time feel like it's fleeting. Hmm. Yeah, I love using time as a creative constraint, which is to say, okay, I've got an hour. Well, that sucks, but what can I get done in an hour? Or I've got four weeks. Well, what can I get done in four weeks? however long you've got it, it just becomes a creative constraint and you have to be able to coach yourself through it and and potentially use it in a way that's exciting and obviously potentially negotiate with the people around you who might not be giving you enough notice or enough time to do things. That's a whole other thing in managing your boundaries. But, you know, 
hey, let's come up with three ideas in 60 minutes, or I'm going to write one strategy story in 30 to 60 minutes. You can use time to your advantage rather than feeling super overwhelmed. And obviously that means that you hopefully have some control over the number of meetings that you attend and the duration of the meetings and all of that stuff as well, which I know can be a little bit hard as you're coming up. You recently brought in another strategist, correct? Mm-hmm. And how's that going? It's going well. It was interesting because the first thing I did was I was like, okay, we need to talk about creative briefs. We like, we need to go through this process. Like let's kind of start unpacking from there because I think that I wanted to make sure that we were on the same page with that of like, this is how we have to think about things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not, not to be that directive. That sounds rude. Maybe cut that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but just, you know, just say like, I don't want this to be boring. Like I want to have fun with it and we should be being creative in strategy in the same way that creative should be strategic. Like there's a lot of, you know, sharing that goes on and a lot of collaboration where we should, you know, it, have this, those same expectations on us. And so, you know, this is how I like to think about strategy. I love it. I love it. Did you want to do a plug for a particular role that your company's looking to fill right now? Yeah. If you want to come be a director of strategy at Six Speed, we are looking for one and we would love to have you. Sell it a little harder. Oh, Where are you based? Give We're us some of the client names again. <laughs> We're based in Minneapolis and we do a lot of outdoor adventure brands. So if you are in the automotive space, especially, but anything that's, you know, an outdoor passion, they've grown a ton in the pandemic, that space. And we're looking for someone who can come in and kind of help grow the foundation that we have. We're super people first. And so we value like qualitative, real human empathy insights. And what we want to do is inspire brands to take action so people can take action. Very cool. Now, this person would be your boss, right? Yeah. There you go. There you go. You just, you just presented some kind of advertising for your next <laughs> boss. <laughs> I know, which feels weird. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it. I love it. I love it. Taylor, just give me some final thoughts. You know, how, how was, I know this is weird because I was teaching and now I'm asking you for feedback and it's going to be in public. I know it's super weird. It was about three months ago, I think that, or three or four months ago, actually, when we completed the first public accelerator with you in it. What are your thoughts? So, okay. I have one of these thoughts is kind of a confession, which is that I had read and purchased your book and I had never done a four points strategy framework, even though I read it and was like, Oh, I love this. This is so great. Like I should use it. Like having that rigor is something that like I struggle with because I have a job and that job consumes a lot of my mental energy and I love what I do, but like, I don't take enough, nearly enough time to like try out new things because I'm like, no, I've got to get things done. And so what I loved about taking the course is like, okay, now I have someone who's saying like, you have assignments that you need to do. And like, I kind of need that structure because otherwise there's a million other things I would like to be doing all the time. And so it was helpful for me to just be able to hold myself accountable in a way where it was like, I think that it's really hard to hold yourself accountable to new thinking because it's untested. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, maybe this is going to be worthwhile, but like, what if it's not, wouldn't I rather hang out on my time off as opposed to, you know, like doing more work. But it was awesome for that because that's that structure that I think I need and is also just hard to come by. Very cool. Very cool. I 
appreciate you being here. I, I loved your work. It was just very clear headed and like it wasn't trying to be something more. It was just trying to be clear headed. And sometimes I feel like a lot of strategy people, we can make things way too complicated. I guess I can say that because I wrote a 400 page book about this, which was trying to simplify things, but it took 400 pages to try to make things simple. And maybe that's a little awkward, but very clear headed superstar in the making. If you want to be Taylor's boss, <laughs> get to the six speed <laughs> website. And if people want to find out more about you, Taylor, where can they look? Go to LinkedIn. Yeah. You can find me there. Just search for my name. There's I think a couple other Taylor Marxes, but I'm the only one who's a strategist at six speed. There you go. I love it. Thank you so much for being here today. I loved hearing about this. I appreciate you sharing your brain with us. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Peace. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sweathead. If it's your first time here, please subscribe. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend or leave a kind rating. For more information about our strategy classes, events, and books, visit www.sweathead.com. And yes, you can find us on Instagram at, at Sweathead.